Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very good afternoon to you, Thursday afternoon. It's fresh thinking time and wonderful to be with you again on the airways. Talking as we do every week, a little bit, uh, you know, out of the box and thinking of things from a different perspective. I have to tell you, I've had an interesting conversation earlier this week. As often happens, they end up posting something out there in the social media space and everything comes to life and there's all kinds of opinions and people back and forth and a whole lot of things that I'd like to share with you, which I think you very likely are going to have an opinion on as well. And you'll have an opinion on the opinions that other people have on this opinion. So by all means, let's get involved. Let's uh, have a conversation. Please feel free to join at any time by SMSing 34519 or by sending a WhatsApp to 0618951019. Or I have to be honest, a lot of the conversation right now is happening on Twitter. So that's at Chai FM, or you could tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. <clears throat> And what we're going to talk about today is, so as I say, there's, I had a really, really interesting conversation earlier this week. It's a conversation that started in person, then spread onto social media, continued in person, and ha- is continuing right now on social media. So a lot of like really interesting stuff that's come out of it. And the question that I was asking, the question I'd like to hear your input on as well is, you know, for how it is from time to time you find people, maybe even yourself, that they do things, they're engaged to a greater or lesser extent in their Judaism, but they don't necessarily feel that it's talking to them. They don't necessarily feel that it's relevant or inspiring or uplifting. So what would you advise such a person? If somebody tells you, listen, I'm doing all these things, I, whatever it is. Some people will tell you, I go to shul. The next person will tell you, I keep Shabbos or kosher. Another person will tell you that uh, I've enrolled my children in a Jewish school, whatever it is, you know, the various things that a person considers to be their particular level of observance. But it's just not talking to me. It's not uplifting me. And very often you hear people say that there was a time in my life where it was much more uplifting and exciting, but now it's no longer the case. So what would you tell such a person? To be perfectly honest, I was not originally intending to talk about this today because there are so many interesting things to talk about going into the month of Adar, as we will, please God, next week. In fact, next Thursday will be Rosh Chodesh, so we'll be here together celebrating the beginning of the most joyous month of the year. And there is the the whole concept around the Torah portion at the moment, Mishpatim, about how important it is to subscribe to higher authority when it comes to ordinary day-to-day things. I mean, there's a lot to talk about this. There are things in the news. There are all kinds of weird and wonderful scientific and technological Progressions that have happened in So there's plenty to talk about I wasn't necessarily planning to talk about this Except that I saw there was so much interest And so much opinion And whenever there's a lot of opinion I suppose that that means that uh, Very likely you'd feel you have an opinion too So my question to you is If you knew somebody who Was uh, complaining Because they felt that their Spirituality was slowing And perhaps stagnant So they're trying and they're doing various things, but they don't feel the soul of it. They don't feel the excitement. They don't feel the energy. They don't feel the connection. What would you advise them? How would you explain to them something that perhaps worked for you in terms of uh, getting your own spirituality, how shall we say, 
back on track or uplifted or inspired or energized. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, I'm going to share with you some of the opinions that I've received over the course of the week, which I'm sure in them and in and of themselves will be catalysts for conversation because there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of interesting stuff and perspectives. So until then, until I share with you what other people have said, what do you say? What would you tell a person who feels that they are spiritually stuck? What's your advice? Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So, talking today, if you've just tuned in, it's fresh thinking time, and we always try and tackle things from a slightly different perspective. I had a conversation with a bunch of people, in fact, and I'll be honest, the reason I had the conversation was because on this past Tuesday evening, I launched a new segment of an ongoing Tanya class that uh, that happens throughout the course of the year. We basically do four or five sessions, and each session, each module essentially takes one chapter out of the book of Tanya. For those who are not familiar, that's the, the fundamental book of Jewish uh, of Hasidic philosophy, Chabad Hasidic philosophy, and we investigate it, we study it, we explore it from all different angles. And the particular subject that we happen to be talking about this week includes the question of what do you do when you feel spiritually stuck? You're going through the motions, you're ticking the boxes, but it's just not talking to you. You don't feel uplifted. You don't feel that your spirituality is going anywhere, or for that matter, that your prayers are going anywhere. I suppose. So in preparation for that, I thought I'll throw it out there and just, yeah, maybe people have insights or opinions. And I didn't expect some of, number one, I didn't expect some of the responses that I got. Number two, I also didn't expect it to be so much engagement over that kind of a topic, which means that, or at least implies to me, that a lot of people are feeling this. That it's not altogether uncommon for people to feel, hey, I don't, I, you know, I'm trying and I'm not getting anywhere. Somehow my spirituality wheels are not turning there is uh, practice i'm following rules but i'm not necessarily feeling connected and it might be an experience that you've had or it might be an experience that you've uh, assisted somebody to get through uh, where they've complained to you and said i don't understand and i'm trying my best but i'm just not getting anywhere so what would you advise somebody who tells you i am trying to invest in my spirituality i'm doing the jewish thing but it's just not talking to my soul it's not turning me on it's not inspiring me i don't feel connected i don't feel that i am elevated because of the experience of my judaism what would you say to such a person and you can anticipate obviously that there are going to be all kinds of perspectives on this and i'd like to share some of the feedback that i got during the course of the week but more interested actually in hearing what you have to say about it because here's your chance you know here's your opportunity to be engaged and involved in this kind of a conversation so you can expect as is always the case in these conversations, you can expect that you're going to have the insightful and the hysterical because that, that's how we are. And sure enough, there are always those people who are a little bit tongue in cheek or maybe not. Maybe they're not tongue in cheek. Um, so you've got Jonathan over here who says, in answer to my question, what do you tell a person who is not feeling connected or inspired or elevated through their Jewish experience? They just maybe feel ritualistic. Jonathan says, my mom's Jewish cooking. I think Jewish cooking always helps. That's the Jewish answer to everything, is it not? Just feed them. If they're sick, depressed, distracted, uninspired, whatever it is, just throw some chicken soup in their direction. Everything should be fine. So, yes, um, hopefully hopefully we can get a little bit more insightful uh, suggestions than just that. But I think sometimes we also have to question, well, what does it mean and why would a person be 
stuck. What does it mean to be stuck? You know, it reminds me a little bit of a, of a story. In fact, I told this story at the Shior on Tuesday night. It's a story that stuck in my mind from many years ago. I don't even remember where I heard it originally. But the story is about the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, and how he and his students would often travel from place to place. And they would make a point of interfacing and interacting with all kinds of Jews, particularly they had a particular interest in what everybody else would consider simple Jews. That means to say people who hadn't had a formal education, probably couldn't read, uh, were generally unfamiliar with the nuances of Judaism, and the Baal Shem Tov gave them special attention. On this particular occasion, the Baal Shem Tov arrived with his students at a particular shul. I'm not sure who the community was, what kind of people they were, but he stood at the door of the shul and he wouldn't go in. So the students, of course, were quite perturbed by this, and they asked him, you know, what's going on? Why won't you go into the shul? And he explained to them, it's not that I won't go into the shul. It's that I can't go into the shul. There's there's simply no space, no space to go into this shul. Now, I don't know about you, but most shuls that I know somehow expand just a little bit more to be able to get that extra person in, even if they may not have a seat per se, but there's definitely space for everybody. And if not, there might be an overflow or whatever the case is. In this particular instance, the shul was empty, was patently empty. And now the students were completely confused. Here's their teacher, this great sage, this hugely pious man, standing at the door of a shul, saying that he can't go in because there's no space in the shul. In the meantime, the shul is sitting empty. They just simply could not understand it. But then he went on to explain to them that the shul was filled with grounded prayers, meaning to say that there were people obviously who had gone through the motions and they had prayed in that shul, frequently in fact, but somehow the prayers were stuck, which would imply, of course, that the people were stuck, which would indicate that their own spirituality was not generating the kind of upward thrust that it is supposed to generate. I think that's what we expect. We expect that if we're going to engage in something spiritual, if we're going to engage in something connected to God, there must be some kind of upward thrust. That's one of the reasons we always compare the soul to a candle. Just imagine that flame always looks like it's got this tremendous aspiration to rise, to go, to travel, to connect, to get away from the mundane. And that is very much what our soul feels like, we maybe are not in touch with what our soul feels, but that is what our soul feels like. It feels like, I just, I just want to get out of here and I want to connect. So it doesn't always work. Sometimes we don't feel that upward thrust. Sometimes we feel like we're just literally dragging our feet through the mire of a whole lot of restrictive clauses that Judaism has imposed on us. So the Baal Shem Tov stands at the doorway to the shul and he says, these prayers are stuck. They've never left the shul and so they've left no space for me. I think a lot of us often feel like that. There's, there's just no movement. We're not getting anywhere. We're not uplifting. We're not going. And what should we do about that? What do you tell a person? And there are many like this. What do you tell a person who says, I feel like I'm just not going anywhere. It's not talking to me. I'm not inspired. I'm not feeling spiritual. And probably, yes, probably the observances that I do are all kind of stuck down here with me and not going to go anywhere. So what would you suggest? Uh, You can expect, of course, you can expect that there are things that people are going to say. 
that are insightful. You can expect that there are things that people are going to say that are predictable. So sure enough, I've got one or two people over here in the course of the conversation I had earlier this week, a couple of people who said in one way or another, no, what you've got to do is you've got to go to a good shiur, particularly a shiur that talks about faith. That will get you going. Right, If you go to a shiur and the speaker is really engaging and that subject matter is really powerful, then you'll be fine. And I, I wonder about that. I mean, it's easy for me to advocate for going to a shiur. In fact, that's what I would do. Obviously, that's what I would do. Number one, I'm a rabbi. Number two, I give a lot of shiurim. It's like, hey, come to my shiur. Why not? I'll uh, inspire you. Money back guarantee, bearing in mind, of course, that there's no charge for the share, but you know, you get the idea. And yes, that's, that's a great default answer. Tell people if you're not feeling spiritually connected, they, then go to a share, go find yourself some inspiration. Where I hesitate with that is it's not always a good idea to say that the only thing that's going to move me, elevate me, lift me, connect me has to come from outside of me. I'm not saying it's not the case. Sure is the case. We all need something in our lives that's input, inspiration, catalyst. But if that's what I always run to every time that I feel a little bit stuck, I might always be stuck because fundamentally I can't move. And I require something or someone to move me. And that might not be a particularly healthy or positive place to be. So yes, I, I'm definitely 100% in favor of the fact that if you're feeling a little bit spiritually stuck, don't think you're going to sit in your room looking at the four walls and that's going to inspire you. Obviously not. Get, engage with inspiration. Absolutely. Find someone who's going to teach. Find something you can read. Find something that's going to be uplifting. 100%. But is that the full answer? I don't think it's the full answer. What do you think? 34519 if you'd like to SMS. Otherwise, WhatsApp 061-895-1019 or join the social media conversation at Chai FM or directly to me at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So if you have just joined the conversation, today we're talking about how do you advise or inspire the person who says, that they are spiritually stuck. And I'm not talking about somebody who's doing nothing. I'm not talking about a person who says, well, obviously you're not spiritually inspired because you're not investing in your spirituality. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking specifically about a person who, for a period of time, and it could have been a few months, could have been a few years, could have been most of your life, has engaged in Judaism, observance, study, Welfare, whichever particular area of Judaism it is that you engage in, and then turns around and says, but you know what? I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not, it it's not talking to me. I'm not getting anywhere. Now, here's a really interesting insight uh, posted over here by Shalom. Shalom says, isn't it funny how many people say the same about their marriages? I guess real things need effort. And that's a powerful insight. That's a powerful insight. Let's just unpack that for a second. So what's he saying? My question is, what do you tell a person who says that they're engaged in their Judaism, but they're not feeling the inspiration? And, and Shalom is saying, well, a lot of people feel that way about their marriages, which is probably true. <laughs> I think it's not uncommon in today's world for people to comment that their marriage has become stale. So they still go through the motions and they do all the things that married couples do and they acknowledge each other and maybe they say hello in the morning, goodbye or whatever it is. Um, remember anniversaries, go out for date night even 
and yet feel that they don't have the same kind of inspiration and connection that they had before. So Shalom's point is, well, you've got to work at these things. It's not just going to happen, click of the fingers. And I think that that's a very valid, pragmatic approach. And as much as I love the suggestion that if you're feeling spiritually numb, you should go to a shiur and experience some kind of inspiration, external inspiration, find that person, that amazing speaker, that amazing teacher. I think that at the end of the day, there's a requirement of effort. We're not necessarily always sure what the effort should entail. So what should I be doing? Definitely agree that without effort, nothing happens. We don't live in an automated society as much as we're talking about AI and autonomous cars. And the fact of the matter is that you could program most of your life. But we don't live in automated society. Things don't just work because we'd like them to. Certainly not meaningful things. Certainly not spiritual things. They require investment. The more valuable something is, most likely it will need more of an investment. So very, very practical and um, insightful perspective there, Bashalom. Um yeah, a lot of other things. Here's, here's something that I wanted to share with you. This is part of the conversation they had earlier this week. And uh, like I say, there's always people who give tongue-in-cheek kind of answers. So somebody saying, if uh, Judaism doesn't speak to you, well, then try yoga. Very nice. That I don't think that that's the answer that the person was looking for. I'm talking about people who want to engage with their Judaism, who are engaged with their Judaism, but they're not feeling that engagement. So here was somebody who said, I'm not going to mention a name, but here was somebody who said in the conversation earlier, says you have to find the significance that resonates in your soul okay so i think that's exactly the problem that people have to find what resonates with their soul a lot of us imagine perhaps this is what would resonate with my soul but we don't really know until we've actually tried it and sometimes people also get a little bit misguided with that uh, I know people personally who have thought that things resonated with them and they've followed the particular path because that particular path was supposed to be something that resonated with them or in, at some point, at some stage, it really spoke to them. And then they got to a point where it was no longer relevant or no longer as inspiring or no longer. So it's it's very nice to say, find something that your soul resonates with. But how do you know that your soul resonates with it? Maybe what you're chasing is not resonating with your soul it's resonating with the sense of newness and freshness and excitement that's really what's turning you on about it but it doesn't necessarily mean anything going forward you know one of the things you can be absolutely assured of in life and i think that this is fair to say about many things is that the initial excitement of any experience is absolutely no predictor of what that experience will be like in the long run I think everybody will agree with that. So you get yourself a, a new phone. Watch anybody with a new phone. Oh, my gosh, look at this. Look what it can do. Oh, it's so amazing. You've never seen anything like this. The battery life is amazing. It's got fantastic memory, best camera you could ever have. It's, speed is fantastic. The resolution of the screen, everything is like amazing. Speak to the same person six months later, maybe even less. You know how these phones are. In the beginning, the battery life is so great, but now it's already worn down. And the, the camera is great, but the, the takes pictures at such high resolution that the memory starts to run out so quickly. And, you know, that's how we are. We, can't, we very, very quickly run out of steam. So to say that you've got to look for something that your soul resonates with is fantastic advice in theory. But tachlis, reality, how do you even know that your soul resonates with something? At which point? Definitely not in the beginning stages, 
Because all of us have had dozens of things in our lives that when we first encountered them, we thought, aha, this is the one. And we've all run off chasing it for a particular period of time, week, month, whatever it is, saying, this is the thing I'm going to do and this is going to be what talks to me. And then it just doesn't. After a while, doesn't have the same magic, which is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about exactly that. What do you tell a person who feels that they are spiritually stuck? One of the problems, and I've spoken about this before, one of the problems that we have in our society, or maybe it's not in our society, maybe it's only in our community, is this fixation on being inspired. So that, to me, is one of the things that undermines a lot of our spiritual growth, this fixation on being inspired. Because that basically means that what we're saying is, I need to be inspired. Inspire me. Inspiration lies out there. What you're implying is inspiration lies out there somewhere in somebody else's mind, in somebody else's book, in somebody else's lecture. And if I'm fortunate enough to cross that particular path where that inspiration lies, then fantastic. I'm going to switch on on the inside and everything's going to be brilliant and I'll, I'll be as connected and spiritual and all these wonderful things. But that's not really how it works. It's not really how life works. Inspiration is something that is transient and what we're trying to achieve is something which is lasting. So when the inspiration wears off, maybe that's what I said, right? When the inspiration wears off. So what do you tell a person at that point in time? How do you advise them? What would you suggest that they should do? If you look at our history as Jewish people, it's very much what's happened in the Jewish community. The Jews came out of Egypt How inspired do you think that they felt? They must have been unbelievably inspired. They must have been so elevated. And then further, when they stood at the foot of Sinai, as we uh, learned in last week's Torah reading, they must have been even more inspired. Yeah, God himself is speaking to them. But that actually ended up in a golden calf. So that tells you that... They were still stuck, even though they had felt inspired. Somebody's tweeted over here, R-O-L, and then a whole long handle that I don't know how to pronounce. Um, says, his response is, Gal niflaot It's a verse in Tanakh. And the verse says that it's, it's like a, an, a request that a person makes to God. Open my eyes that I may see the wonders of your Torah. Now, I know that there were other people earlier who suggested that the solution for a person who's feeling spiritually stuck is they should go to a shir. This is a different message. This is a message saying, you ask Hashem, open my eyes that I could see the wonders of your Torah. I think it's a big, uh, a really good point. In fact, uh, this this person, R-O-L, whoever that is, um, it's definitely a, a good point that they're making because if we could see the wonder Sometimes we've lost the wonder of all kinds of things in life. You know, look at a child. A child looks at everything with wonder. They see a fire engine dry, driving down the road, and it's like, wow, that's unbelievable. You know, that's never seen anything like it. And we often lose that sense of wonder. And here he's saying that the verse tells us you've got to see the wonders within Torah. So what does that mean? What does it mean to actually see the wonders in Torah? And it's interesting that we haven't had suggestions over here. I expect and I anticipate this, particularly because of the conversation I had earlier this week, that there would be people who would suggest things outside of just Torah per se as the means of switching on your spiritual inspiration. Maybe you are out there with that kind of thinking. So in that case, I'd love to hear what it is that you have to say. We're talking today about when a person feels spiritually stuck, what would you advise them? It's 2.30 and uh, you're on Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishla. 
Pick and Pay Hypernode has the following deal. You can collect free quality cookware. For every 100 Rand you spend at Pick and Pay Hyper, you'll receive a stamp. And if you spend 200 Rand, you'll receive two stamps and so on. Collect the stamps, stick them on your collector's card. Take your collector's card to Pick and Pay Hyper to redeem your Royal VKB cookware item. Keep collecting stamps to complete your range. 40 stamps gets you a 20-centimeter frying pan. 50, stamp, 50 stamps, a 16-centimeter saucepan. 60 st- stamps get you a 24-centimeter frying pan. And 70 stamps, a 24-centimeter stir-fry pan. 80 stamps gets you a 20-centimeter casserole pot with a lid. That's Pick and Pay Hypernord. I've got to be honest. It's not fair to expect... Someone like me to read something like that. You've got to give this to a woman to read. She knows what the difference is between a saucepan and a frying pan. For heaven's sake, I don't know what the difference is between a saucepan and a frying pan or a stir-fry pan and a frying pan. I mean, this is um, completely out of my depth over here. Feeling a little bit uh, grocery stuck. Can I even say that? My question over here today is what do you do with people who feel like they are spiritually stuck? What would you advise somebody? person says, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm going through the motions. I'm doing everything that Judaism expects. I'm ticking all the boxes. But somehow or another, it's just not speaking to me. What, what do you tell such a person? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. So 34519 if you want to send an SMS. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019 or tweet as just about everybody else is doing at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. Simcha says over here that the answer to my question is Chabad. Thank you, Simcha. Uh, it's always nice to get, I don't know who Simcha is, but it's nice to get an endorsement from somebody who uh, I'm assuming is uh, being genuine and not facetious. So Chabad, as the answer to what do you tell a person who is feeling spiritually void, spiritually stuck? Um yeah, Holly, oh, interesting perspective. Holly says, Holly says, can you imagine living in a world devoid of unconditional love? Now, that would be meaningless. So, Holly's suggestion is, what's the big deal about feeling that you're stuck? That's not about, what are you looking for, reciprocity? Are you, are you looking for serving God because you expect that you're going to get something in return? Unconditional love, fantastic ideal. It's a beautiful way to express your relationship with God. Why do we have to look any further? I think that's an interesting perspective. Did not see that one coming. So that's, that's great coming through on Twitter from Holly. Um, another one from, from on Twitter. This is Wandering Torah Girl. Interesting names that people come up with on social media. And it's wondering with an A, not wondering with an O. So wondering Torah Girl says quite a lengthy answer about it, probably as much as Twitter will allow in terms of characters. Uh, I would discuss with them what is happening in your life in general at the moment. What has your Jewish life been until now? What do you want your Jewish life to be? Do you know what it can be? And from their answers, I would make recommendations. So that's very helpful. I think what happens often when people tell you something, like, I- I'm feeling stuck. We tend to give them these throwaway answers. Well, try this, go to a share, da, da, da. And what the wandering Torah girl is suggesting is that you should first listen to what it is that they have to say. Excellent advice. You know, one of the things that we're taught in Hasidic teaching is that if you take the different life forms on earth, Inanimate, plant, animal, and human. 
each one of them has a very telling name in Hebrew. And the name for a human is Middaber, which means the one who can speak. Now, we do know that there are other species that communicate with each other. So what's unique about human communication? If you think about it, when animals communicate, it's for practical purposes. So, okay, boys and girls, we're migrating south now. It's time to get to warmer climate or something along the lines of watch out predator around the corner. Practical stuff. There is no uh, Thursday night in parlors sitting at the bar, you know, having a cold one with the boys and just talking about the week. There's no such thing as an elephant sitting on the therapist's couch saying, this is the stuff that I'm going through and it makes me feel so bad. Everybody's making fun of my nose. It, It doesn't occur in the animal kingdom. So what makes humans unique is our ability to use communication as a tool for connection, not just as a tool for messaging. Maybe one of the big downsides of technology Subject for another conversation, right? But that's what technology has done. It's degraded our power of communication to a power of messaging. And in order to be able to message, one of the key elements to be able to communicate is not to be able to speak, enunciate, express as much as it it is to be heard. And you could be 100% assured that you will be heard when you hear somebody else. So wondering Turgul's suggestion is a very good suggestion because hear the person. What's going on in their life? What's the, 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 relevance, the, the, the relevance of their Judaism? What's the aspiration of their Judaism? Help to understand who the person is. And I think that that's probably the first really significant answer that we've had other than Shalom's comment about the fact that valuable things in life need effort because there you talk to the heart of how Judaism sees things. There's not a one-size-fits-all answer. It's not how it works. We're not all the same. We don't all think the same. We don't all have the same expectation, aspiration. We don't all operate at the same spiritual altitude. And so it could well be that the answer to this person about what they should do if they feel spiritually stuck is altogether different to what the other person needs to feel not spiritually stuck. Uh, WhatsApp over here from Daniela says, I think it is important to try and clarify what is that, what it is that would make you feel unstuck. In other words, how would you know that you had found the connection? How would you like your relationship with Hashem to be? So there you go along the same lines, right? You've got to speak to the person and say, well, what, what would it mean for you? Big problem that we have. Big problem. Person says, I know what it would mean for me. Therefore, I assume the same kind of thing would be meaningful for you. Doesn't work that way. It often causes breakdown in relationships, particularly in families. You have a parent who has a particular expectation. This is what Judaism means for me. This is what spirituality, connection means for me. Therefore, I expect that the same kind of thing would be relevant to my child. And then it's not. And then there's conflict and there's tension between the parent and the child because you're not living the way that I wanted you to live because the way I wanted you to live is the way that works for me. And so on. So, yes, uh, what would you like your relationship with Hashem to be? And how would you be able to tell if you had made a connection? Which goes back to the earlier point that uh, I forget who it was who said it about choosing something that you're, it was Richard, choosing something that your soul resonates with. How do you know what your soul resonates with? How do you know what a connection should feel like? How do you know that you're not kidding yourself? It's a terribly sad thing, but there are people who live in this world who go through things for lengthy periods of time, and it's all one big self-delusion. Can happen. Can happen. So how do you know? Well, 
for a start, if you don't ask yourself these questions, if you don't challenge yourself to say, what should my connection to God look like? How should I be able to tell my connection to God? Then probably you're not going to get anywhere closer. If you don't explore that kind of meaning, chances are you'll never find it. But it could be a bit easier than that, even though each of us is an individual and each of us has to look at ourselves. Torah does give us guidance. It does. So, for example, part of the guidance would be that there should be some kind of ease of experience. When I'm not connecting to something, I find it really difficult to do. You all know what it's like to go to a function that you don't really want to be at or to have to speak to a person because they're a family member and some other family member edged you along. You've got to go speak to Aunt Mildred or whatever it is, and you didn't really want to. So you know what that feels like, where every moment is painstaking. It's You, you keep looking at your watch, and it, for heaven's sake, hasn't moved even one minute. Then you know that you're not connected. Whereas, on the other hand, if an experience is gliding and easy and feeling meaningful, and it just kind of flows and connects, well, then probably that implies that I do have a connection. That could be a very easy indicator to use. It might not be the only indicator, but it's probably a good indicator to use. They tell the story in the Talmud, one of the great sages, when he used to pray for sick people, he would always be able to tell at the end of the prayer whether the person was going to heal or not. And his colleagues asked him, well, how do you know? He used to say, if when I pray for that sick person, the prayer goes smoothly, then I know that I've connected and I know that I've found the blessing for them to recover. But if I find that I just, I just can't get through the prayer, I'm not focused, the words are not coming out so easily, then I know that the person's in trouble. They're not connected. I'm not connected. And I don't think anything's going to change. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So today we're talking about what do you advise the person who says, I'm doing Jewish things to the best of my ability, but I'm not feeling that it's talking to me. I don't feel that I'm more spiritually connected because of it. I feel quite spiritually stuck. What would you advise that person? 34519 if you would like to send an SMS or otherwise WhatsApp 0618951019. And of course, as always, you can engage on Twitter at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. Here's at Brooks says on Twitter, as long as people are living with good intent and hearts, no purpose is completely defeated. Not sure what that means. <laughs> I mean, I do know what it means to say that a person should live with good intent and with a good heart. I know what that's supposed to mean. And I know that that's also something which could be very different for different people. Uh, it could, it's a very diverse kind of concept. And at least, in my opinion, leaves the whole thing wide open. But I'm not sure what that means to say that it, no purpose is completely defeated. I'm not really sure what that means. If anybody would like to try and translate and interpret, I'd appreciate that very much. WhatsApp Abia says, if you know what you want, you can try and get it by trying to have a nice Shabbos or trying a Shi'ur or a new Shul. So, of course, that would be in context of what uh, the earlier WhatsApp from Daniela said, that if you know what it is that you're looking for in your connection with God, that's what you should be chasing. So here's a follow-up WhatsApp to say, try have a nice Shabbos, try go to a Shi'ur or a new Shul. Going to a new Shul, you've got to be careful with that because there are people who like to Shul hop. And in the hope, again, that the inspiration is going to come from somewhere outside of myself, and very often that becomes disappointing in its own right. So you've got to be careful with that one. Um, 
Some of the other things, by the way, that people had suggested to me earlier this week when we were having the conversation is uh, somebody made the comment that the problem is the word Judaism. Because my question was, what do you feel if what, what happens if you feel that you're stuck in your Judaism? And this particular person felt, well, we've got to be careful not to say that Judaism is another ism like communism, socialism, feminism, whatever. So, yeah. I don't know that the average person is that nuanced. I think the average person, when you say Judaism, they are thinking observance of the Torah or the the, the um, things that Judaism believes in. So I don't know if it's that nuanced. Another person said that you should get involved in a, a Israel advocacy. So if you're an advocate for Israel, that's going to re-inspire you to connect with your spirituality. Uh, I'm curious, very curious what you think about that suggestion. Uh, very curious about that. So this is the suggestion that if you take up the fight on behalf of Israel as a country, that's going to help you to spiritually connect with God. Oh, six one eight nine five one zero one nine by WhatsApp or three four five one nine by SMS. If you have a comment on that one, because that's certainly interesting. And then, of course, in every group, there's always the person who says, "Stop worrying about the rituals and connect with God through the things that interest you in your life." I feel that that almost needs like almost like a drum roll, roll because that probably represents what a number of people, maybe a, a majority of people actually think. Forget the rules. And I always wonder when people say something like that, do they genuinely mean it? Our conversation is around if I don't feel that I'm connected with God, what should I do? So I'm going through the details and they don't make me feel connected to God. What should I do? So the suggestion over here is skip the details. Get rid of the rules. So let's see, how would that work if we were talking, let's say, about a marriage? Person says, listen, I buy my wife flowers and I make sure every night to give her a very warm good night and I'm there for dinner time, we do date night, I help out with the kids at certain points, but I just don't feel that we're connected. Do you think that the correct advice for that person would be, well, in that case, stop doing all those things? I mean, really, why would you do all those things if they're not helping you to feel connected? Wow. I would not want to send any couples to that marriage counselor. Surely, surely you have infrastructure which is created out of the rules of the engagement. Sometimes you set the rules independently. Sometimes you set the rules codependently. Sometimes you don't get to set the rules. But there are rules within every relationship. And to me, it makes absolutely no sense. I'm sorry, it makes absolutely no sense that somebody should suggest that you discard the rules in order to feel the relationship. What do they say about neighbors and good walls? If you have appropriate boundaries, if you have appropriate, I mean, even a couple, there should be rules. There should be some rules within the relationship, within the marriage. Certain rules in terms of what is or is not appropriate behavior with other people, members of the opposite gender. Certain rules around time, how you respect my time, how I respect your time. Certain rules about if you're not going to be home, you're going to let me know. Rules about if you're angry, this is the way to convey it so that you don't lose yourself and hurt people in the, in the, in the process. So many other things like that. You can't say we, we have rules in this relationship, but I feel that they're robbing me of the relationship, so I'm going to get rid of the rules. Unless there's some draconian crazy kind of rules in which case they obviously don't make sense and then the relationship probably has deeper problems let's be honest so how can somebody suggest i don't feel here's the complaint the person says i don't feel that i'm connecting to god even though i'm doing all these spiritual things so the person says well stop doing the spiritual things 
how on earth is that supposed to now make you feel more connected? So you, you remove the basic tools of the relationship in the hope that some fictional higher spirit kind of experience is going to come into your life and that's going to make you feel connected. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Uh, maybe other people do feel that way. Uh, certainly doesn't make sense to me. Um, one of the other people who said, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, there were a number of people in the course of the conversation who all said, well, what you've got to do is you've got to learn. And, and if you go to a shir, that's what's going to talk to you. I think one of the problems often is that we say go to a shir, whereas, in fact, what we should be saying is learn. The one is quite passive. I'll sit there. I'll be an audience member. The other is very active. I'm going to challenge myself, stretch my mind, push myself, break a sweat over this particular concept, trying to get my head around it. There's great value in that. That goes back to what Shalom said before, and probably one of the things that sits at the core of the whole process is that no person gets unstuck unless they put in effort. It doesn't matter where it is in life. It could be financially. A person's going through a difficult financial time, and they know they have to put in effort. It could be in a relationship, so the relationship has become rocky, and then you've got to put in effort. It could be your health, and the doctor tells you, listen, you're not in good shape. You've got to do something. Change your eating habits. Change your sleeping habits. Quit smoking. Do some exercise. None of those things is easy, but that's where growth comes from. Spiritual connection, same kind of thing. That's where it comes from. If a person is not willing to put in the effort, as a fellow I know always says, he's got a military background, and he always says, if you don't wear the scars, you don't deserve to wear the stars. So that's how it is. No person just found themselves over the finish line of the comrades. No person just found themselves at the top of a Fortune 500 company. No person finds themselves just becoming unstuck. So I think the advice often that we need to give people is not the advice that we want to give people. Very often the advice we want to give people is find that inspiration. Go out there. I know this rabbi did it for me. That book spoke directly to my soul. That experience, keeping Shabbos, whatever it is. I think we need to tell people, you've got to do some work on this. You've got to do some work in terms of understanding yourself, understanding your expectation, understanding your limitations. And then most importantly, understanding what you could do next. Very often, very, very often, it's all about what you do next. Very often we fall into the trap of thinking, what is that thing that's going to rescue me from being stuck? There is not that thing. There's what you do next. And if what you do next is proactive, and what you do next is a little difficult, and what you do next is looking for a new connection to your Judaism, you'll eventually get there. Maybe not in the first chair you go to. Maybe not in the first experience that you try, the first book that you read. But you'll get there. It's only for us to take the first step. So that's my view, at least. What do you think? 34519 or WhatsApp 61895 Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So a big conversation brewing over here on the topic that we're talking about. This is by at BW Jewish Wonder. 
Jewish wanderings. That's interesting. We had wandering Torah girl before. Now we've got more wandering people. I guess the wandering Jew is a very pervasive theme on Twitter. So the suggestion over here is, and there's a whole lot of comments and replies to this already building up, but I'm not going to be able to share all of them with you just in the, in the interest of time. It says, I suspect that most of such people have found meaning elsewhere, not necessarily through religion at all, and are doing fine. So my question was, what do you tell the person who feels that they're not connecting in a meaningful way through their Jewish spiritual experience? And this tweet says, well, maybe they've found meaning somewhere else. And I'd, I'd love to believe that the majority of people have found meaning. I just don't believe it. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, the reality is so many people are not feeling that life is meaningful. And the truth of the matter is so many people don't even think that that's an issue. So caught up, so frenetic, so you know, just busy, 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 and don't have time to reflect on whether their life is meaningful or there's a value in having a meaningful life. So, yeah, okay, I suppose there are those people who have looked elsewhere and do feel that they found meaning, which comes back to my question on the earlier comment where somebody said that it's something your soul has to resonate with. How do you know if your soul resonates? Um, Flora on Twitter saying, learn the why and how of living a Jewish life. Uh, Sarah says, also on Twitter, says, I would change one word. Judaism is plenty of meaning. I'm not sure one word from what, but anyhow, Judaism is plenty of meaning. And if you want, you can find beautiful things there. There are many. So I think a lot of people would agree with that. We're not we're not debating whether the material has value or whether you can find meaning. The question was, what should you do if you're not finding it? And the bottom line, nobody likes the answer. But the bottom line is, you've got to work. But I think the, the work's got to be strategic as well. It's not just stum, not just plain work. You've got to work in a way that makes sense. And to me, to make sense is you've got to you've got to learn you've got to fill your mind you've got to fill your mind with so i mean judaism is an incredible repository of insight i know a lot of people think of it as information but it's mainly insight not just collect, collecting information well this is the law in this case and this is what the terrorist is about that and this is the historical story of this no there's insight every single law and i'll say that again every single law has a lesson that you could learn about how you could become a more connected human, a more developed Jew. Certainly, every story in the Torah certainly has that, that value, that option, that potential. It's not just there for story value. It's there for coaching. So to me, the person who's feeling spiritually stuck, the problem is most likely that that same person isn't currently engaged in an ongoing experience of learning. If you keep learning, and not just learning fact, but most importantly, learning insight and meaning, you'll constantly feel a growing sense of connection. So my biased opinion is you should learn some Tanya <laughs> because it's the kind of stuff that talks directly to this topic. How to move yourself to a place of spiritual meaning. You're welcome to join. There's a whole bunch of Tanya classes all around town here in Glen Hazel and Sandon, wherever you want. It's it's one of those things that makes a huge difference in this particular area. So I'll leave you with that thought and uh, wish you a good Shabbos.
And please, God, we'll pick up with other interesting and intriguing fresh thinking concepts next Thursday. You're always welcome to suggest a topic. Just send a tweet to at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish or otherwise SMS your topic to 34519 or to WhatsApp 0618951019. Have a wonderful day and a great Shabbos.